0: great ditch. is there another kind you see the useful idiots that the soviet
1: union that lenin put into america are now the useful idiots from the chinese
0: u.s president joe biden who has had another week of gaffs confused moments
1: uh, uh. they're coming down in america like pac-man eating us up alive
0: uh. Uh, They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed.
1: You know the Pac-Man game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that...
0: Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal. The goal. The goal. And as we've said all along... Confusion can actually be the goal. The goal.
1: I want you to ponder something for a moment. I want you to conceptualize how dire the situation is in the world today with what's happening, what's unveiling before our very eyes. Welcome to another edition of Speaking Out America. I am your host, JR. I can be reached at speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. Pretty easy address. And Trump was on television last night, and that's when it really occurred to me just how dire the situation is. We're looking at a situation where there is a D there is an escalation of tensions between China and Taiwan. If you tuned in yesterday, you heard Nan Su from the Epoch Times describe the three reasons that China wants to take over Taiwan. Number well, there's actually four number one, because they've always felt it belonged to them anyway. Uh, But chiefly it's to, seize control of that area of the Pacific so that it can, number one, choke off Japan. And they would have to go through the authorities of the Chinese Communist Party. So that would give them great uh, sovereignty over the waters, which is crucial. Uh, Basically, they would have China or Japan under their thumb. And the same goes for the Philippines, certainly for Taiwan. Taiwan also is the largest semiconductor Manufacturer country in the world, and uh, it also has pretty darn nice beaches too. And I'm sure that China would love for its uh, members of its Burrow, to be able to go over to Taiwan and have nice vacations with their their families. But the thing is, is that all of this is happening and transpiring underneath us because we have one man in the in the office of the presidency who is becoming more and more feeble by the day. This is why Joe Biden is in uh, Ireland, of all places, Ireland. What a strange place to be when your arch enemy, China, is, is doing rounds and flying jet fighter airplanes in the dozens, trying to plan out their maneuvers. And meanwhile, you've got our own generals that are fighting over Intel that somehow got leaked on a video game. you heard the late about, we'll get to this, we'll get to all of it. But last night Trump was on TV and I want to roll some of this because it's, it was just not only entertaining, but uh, it was good to see the man back in action. And there was a settledness to him, a resolve to him. And I want to know if you heard it as well and saw it as well.
0: They were incredible. When I went to the courthouse, which is also a prison in a sense, They signed me in, and I'll tell you, people were crying. People that work there, professionally work there, that have no problems putting in murderers, and they see everybody. It's tough, tough place, and they were crying. They were actually crying. They said, "I'm sorry." Uh, They'd say, "2024, sir, 2024," and tears are pouring down. There is. I've never seen anything like the. Those people are phenomenal. Those are your police. Those are the people that work at the courthouse. They're unbelievable people.
1: You know, it's interesting because nowadays you don't hear political leaders say anything about law enforcement except to criticize them. And here is Trump uh, describing that day where he goes into, uh, you know, federal court and gets processed. And the people are standing around him, his supporters, saying it's hard for us to even fathom that they're doing this. With all the rapists and the murderers that are out on the street, the fact that two out of three New Yorkers now fear going on the subway. But here's our judicial department. Here's our justice system, uh, processing this man based on a flimsy charge uh, that was more than two or three years ago, way past what they what they call the statute of limitations, and yet here he is, uh, the front runner, uh, the GOP candidate for the presidential race in 2024 and he's being treated like a common criminal by an administration that sends off their leader uh, because they don't want to have him in front of the press because he's so feeble and so ignorant to causes. All of this underway while China is making deals with Saudi Arabia, making deals with, uh, who's the latest one, uh, France, making deals with Africa, making deals left and right, and bolstering their defense and preparing for yet a, a conflict with Taiwan. And the only man that seems to have a clue what's going on is this guy.
0: Uh, many of them were in tears or close to it. Uh, many apologists were sorry, sir. We're sorry. They had have me do certain things. They said, sir, I, I can't believe I have to ask you. I can't even believe that I have to ask you to do it. You could see. So in one sense, it was beautiful because they get it. And uh, in another sense, you know, it's nasty. I went to the Wharton School of Finance. They didn't teach me about that. That was apart. They the because the people understand. I didn't know this was happening, but the poll numbers have gone through the roof. The people get it. And the other ones are hoaxes. Also, you know, the box hoax. Look at Biden. He's got eighteen hundred and fifty boxes. And, you know, that's a hoax. And then the one in Atlanta where I had a perfect phone call. This is all weaponization. They're weaponizing our justice system, Tucker. And they think if they go and give you a subpoena, you know, I guess I'm very well known and people understand it and they get it. And maybe I have a bigger platform so I can explain it. But if you're somebody, a Republican, let's say, running for office and you get a subpoena, you might as well resign because you're not going to be able to survive it. And the voters aren't going to handle it. The voters aren't going to take it. What they're doing is weaponizing the system. And there's never been anything like it. And it's all disinformation, you see.
1: And now we look like a banana republic to the rest of the world. Because when we don't want somebody to run for office or we, won't, we don't want them uh, to grab our seat, well, we'll just send some henchmen and we'll do a little digging and we'll go find something. This is probably not as new uh, to politics. It's been going on all along. But it's so brazen now. It's so in your face.
0: The other day, uh, Afghanistan, one of the worst things I've ever seen, I think the most embarrassing moment that this country has ever had, frankly, the way we got out, not the getting out. We had to get out. It was ridiculous to be there. And I had that so good, so tight, so tough. I spoke to the leader, Abdul. I said, Abdul, if you do anything, you're going to get hit really hard. Literally, I even he said, but so why, why? He goes, why, or oh, why do you send me a picture of my house? I said, you'll have to figure that one out, Abdul. But we didn't have one death in 18 months. He knew not one death. And then to see the way we got out, like we were surrendering, like taking the military out first, leaving $85 billion worth of equipment behind, giving up Bagram. I was going to keep Bagram. I was getting out, but not for Afghanistan. It's one hour away from where China makes its nuclear weapons. It's one of the biggest Air Force bases in the world, I think the biggest, with runways that go 10,000 feet. I was keeping that because of China, not because of Afghanistan. Right. And they, they left everything. They, they left the dark of night. They left the lights on. They left the dogs, by the way. You know, the people they say left about the dogs? the dogs. They left the dogs. They do-
1: left the dogs. Can you believe this? If you're listening to Trump. He was on Tucker Carlson last night giving a pretty good interview. But they left the dogs. They left the dogs in Afghanistan. I mean, who made that decision?
0: Millie? Everyone, you know, the dog lovers, and you got a lot of them. I love dogs. You love dogs. But they left the dogs. People said, what? One of the first questions I got, what did they do with the dogs? Mostly German shepherds. They left them. Uh, what they did, the way they got out was so horrible. Okay. Everybody knows that was their plan. That had nothing to do with me. I was getting out, too. We would have gotten out with strength and dignity. And... What happened? They got out, and the other day I hear, "Yeah, it was uh, Trump's fault. Oh, that's right. It was Trump's Trump. I was gone for a long. I would have been out faster than them. We would have had all the equipment. We would have had the American citizens. We left hostages. We left Americans behind many I think many more than you think. Uh, and we had 13 soldiers killed, and nobody ever mentions the fact that we had many maimed so badly. No arms, no legs, their face was obliterated. This is the way this guy got out. We would have gotten out with dignity and strength. We were going to, but I was taking 100% of, I said, I want every nail, I want every screw. I want the tents. They said, sir, the tents are very hard to take out. I said, I want the tents, I want the tanks, I want the planes, I want everything. And a couple of them fought me on it, like Millie. He said, sir, I think it's cheaper to leave the equipment behind. I said, let me ask you, we have a plane that cost $100 million. It's sitting there. All it needs is a tank of gas, right? Give me a little jet fuel. We'll fly it to Pakistan or any place else, or we'll fly it directly home. You say it's cheaper to leave a $100 million plane. Sir, I think overall it's cheaper. These are idiots we're dealing with. They left $85 (laughs) billion worth of equipment. They left our American citizens behind. And they moved the military out first. No, you move the military out last. I did a little skit with a five-year-old kid. I said, let me ask you, here's the situation. I explained the situation. I said, would you take the military out first, or would you take it out last? i take it out last, five-year-old. But <laughs>
1: Maybe we should have a- the five-year-old running our military instead of you-know-who. Well, that's Trump. We'll have more. He talks about climate change and the real threat facing the world. And all of this, it did not escape me, his energy, uh, his deep... Thought, thought thinking. He could keep a train of thought. That was amazing. He didn't start babbling off. Uh, it's a reminder of what we don't have in the White House. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: Riders on the storm Riders on the storm Into this house we're born world thrown.
1: Welcome back to Speaking Out. JR here. Don't forget our website speakingoutamerica.com. So they've come out now with new information on the Louisville shooter, the guy that worked at the uh, bank and went and shot up employees. And it's the next. It's now, of course, the second mass shooting we've had in two weeks. And according to the newspaper and all the mainstream media, fifteen mass shooting mass shootings this year. Fifteen. That's might might be a record. And uh, of course, this has fueled the debate again, once again, about gun control. And the way the government is spinning it is that if we would just control the flow of weapons and made them not so easy. To access, then we wouldn't have all these shootings. Now that's uh, that's called childlike thinking. If we just round up all the guns and all the violence, we'll end, right? But what seems to be happening and what I'm just going to say something because it sounds like it might be revolutionary, but when are we going to start asking the right question about what kind of meds are these people on? Because in order for you to be, quote, mentally ill or have mental health issues, you have to go see a doctor and that doctor, more likely than not, is going to prescribe some kind of initial medication that is either going to calm you down or lift you up. And the reason I know this is because I have several in-laws, all of whom have been lifelong, what I call lifelong members of the Government Take Care of Me Club because they've had mental problems, anxiety, some more severe than others, some mild. And, and then there's not only people in my own family, but I know other people in other people's family that have individuals who are known as having mental health issues. That's the the new word, mental health issues. And we know that, that drugs have side effects. That's not going to surprise anybody. We also know that the government or the big pharma will downplay side effects and upsell the benefits. I remember one time when I took, I was prescribed some Balta to take the edge off when I was trying to quit cigarettes. Uh, I eventually did quit cigarettes. Thank God. But, um, I didn't do it the way that they wanted me to. But during that time, just for a week, I was on this Cymbalta. And man, you talk about something knocking you out. I mean, one minute you're laying there on the couch and everything is hunky-dory and then something sets you off. Uh, you know, a kid running through or something being thrown. And the next thing you know, you're acting like a wild gorilla. And you snap at work. And, you know, after three days, I said, well, I got to stop this. But that was just, that's not my piece of evidence. The piece of evidence that I know that I think the reason mental I think mental health and the way that we treat it is what's causing a lot of these random acts of violence, mass shootings. These people are losing their minds. They are depressed. They're anxious. Whatever it is that ails them, and then they go to see their medical health professional, and the very first thing that he does or she does is prescribe medicine. Remember in that movie that Clint Eastwood it was about the shooter that came back based on a true story. And uh, and he was suffering from PTSD. A lot of soldiers coming back from war suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. And the way that our medical establishment treats it is through medication. And then this, of course, taking the edge off, reducing stress, uh, to me has never been a great way of of dealing with whatever it is that's causing the issue. And I feel bad for people that suffer from anxiety or I, I feel bad for children today because they are also now at a younger and younger age being prescribed medication. And I've talked to a dozen health professionals about it too. So there's there's not really an easy solution. But one thing that would I think get the ball rolling is if we started asking the right, right questions. If we if we took every mass shooter over the past thirty years and we were able somehow to evaluate, maybe through a closed door session, you know, and they could honestly give evaluation to what's happening with the patients. What are the side effects of some of these drugs? And I kid you not, I've seen in situations where a patient or someone who's suffering from a lot of mental disorders is given two kinds of drugs that each have the opposite effect. One that helps you sleep and one that helps you stay awake and you take them both at the same time. Uh, one to lift you up and uh, reduce your depression. Another one to take off the edge when you have anxiety. Things like Depakote and all kinds of, uh, it's not uncommon. It's really not uncommon. But for the last 30 years, because of my exposure to people in my immediate environment that have suffered from various kinds of mental disorders i've seen time and time again that they go to the doctor the doctor says take this if it doesn't work you know call me back and we'll try something else until something sticks and then what happens is your body builds up an uh, immunity to it Uh, the law of diminishing returns and then you have to go and try another drug and sometimes that drug it may take weeks may take months and this is the way that Big Pharma does it. It's like throwing darts until they get to the right combination and, and and that doesn't really mean that that combination would work for somebody else. So my feeling is we have a bunch of ticking time bombs and we need to we're not going to get the help from Big Pharma because they're making money off this. And it's a lifelong regiment and that's the thing is you take a a pill that you think is going to help you. Solve one problem, but it creates two more problems. Some of these pills are bad for your liver. They're bad for your kidney. Now, blood pressure, things like that, they, those, those statins tend to have far less side effects, <clears throat> but they're just basically controlling blood pressure. And most good doctors will tell you, if you've got to take this, then you better be walking. You better be paying attention to what you're eating and get a little exercise and de-stress and try not to drink too much. That's what a good doctor would say. But when you go to see a doctor about another mental health issue, they will not mo- most likely not address your nutrition, uh, your living environment, how much you exercise, and other things that could have just as much of an impact on the way that you feel uh, than your as the, as it does with your blood pressure. You see what I'm saying? So we we have to start as a society taking a different approach because, based on what I understand on how big big pharma works people are just going to keep getting prescribed drugs. And some of those people might be a small minority. They're going to be the ones that get agitated that one day where they start, they stop taking their drugs that they've been prescribed because it doesn't make them feel good. And then they start going crazy then they start posting stuff. Then they start, uh, getting paranoid, whatever the stages they go through. Like let's take, for example, Audrey Hale, Audrey Hale, the shooter of Nashville. When did she start plotting? If we could get into their mind, when did she start plotting? Was it before or after she started taking medication to deal with her mental health issues, her depression, whatever it was? It's a good question to ask. What about this latest person in Louisville? Apparently he was starting to go psychotic. He had mental health issues, according to his family. What did they treat him with? Are there certain kinds of drugs that might be more commonly found? in these people that end up going on these shooting tirades? You know, they say it takes a village. Well, how come the village isn't getting together and trying to solve this problem? It's not the guns. It's not the guns. Or at least it's not only the gun. Maybe the gun makes it easier for the crime or the shooting to be committed, right? Maybe that's it. But if there's not a gun around, there's a knife. If there's not a knife, there's a rope. Or there's a a way that you can make some sort of an explosion. There's a million ways to go about trying to take somebody out or inflict harm on a lot of people. So we have to work together and we have to really start asking the right questions because we're not asking the right questions. These people that are being treated are often being victimized to the treatment. And that's what we have to get to the bottom of. Speaking out America, J.R. will be right back. Nothing's really grabbing my attention today. I think this must be the post-Easter. Not much is really happening. Although the Pentagon is really, really nervous about this leak. And now they're telling us that it happened because of a video game? I don't know, man. I guess they think we'll believe anything. But apparently it's revealed all kinds of things, like the fact that we have U.S. soldiers in Ukraine. Did you know that? I mean, I kind of suspected it. You know what I found interesting about Bobby Kennedy... And I never really got to the, the meat and potatoes of it, but I wanna see if I can find that article. I'm just fascinated by what he said what he said. And I hope I can find it because it was such an interesting like basically here's a guy who is a Democrat and his own party doesn't even like him. Really. I mean they think he's they they don't want to have anything to do with Bobby Kennedy Jr. Uh, he's not in the news. The only reason I bring him up is because, you know, during the pandemic, which, by the way, the Pentagon finally ended the COVID pandemic emergency law. Yeah, that's that's the government for you. But um, anyway, no. during the pandemic, he was really upfront about how his disdain for big pharma and, and trying so hard to get kids vaccinated. Not knowing about the results and the long term problems that are associated with vaccinations. And they have to go under a rigorous examination. And and the FDA and the NIH, they seem to just want to, you know, roll these through these things through quickly. And he stood up, Bobby Bobby Jr. And I thought that was admirable. But but then he was lambasted as being an anti vaxxer. And I hate those terms. Anti vaxxer. Uh, denier, climate denier. I hate those terms. Basically, they shut somebody down and marginalize them by by just saying, ah, he was an anti vaxxer. He has no credibility. Well, wait a minute. How many young people have suffered because of the vaccines? Uh, truth is, quite a bit. More than have actually suffered from uh, COVID. According to the CDC's own. So. The uh, data it clearly says that. Um, so the other thing that he also is known for is being outspoken about his disdain like his father's for the CIA. He says that the CIA has become misguided. The Justice Department is now all about influencing other countries, political situations, because if we don't like who they have as a leader, we'll try to get our own leader in. And he says that the CIA is working against the better principles of America. Now, that guy's never going to get elected because the CIA, the FBI, the State Department, uh, all these various security agencies, they're baked into the whole uh, administrative state concept. And this is why the United States government continues to grow and metastasize like the blob. If you've ever seen the movie The Blob, you know that the thing gets bigger as it accumulates more and more mass to the point where it's so huge that it can take out an entire city. Or in this case, multiple cities. It's it's why a lot of people are leaving big cities. They don't feel safe anymore. Largest US cities lost two million people just in two years. An estimated two million people have moved away from the largest metropolitan areas in the country between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two according to the Economic Innovation Group. A report found that 1.2 million people moved away from large urban counties in 2021, while just under 200,000 people moved into those same areas. The following year, over 800,000 people moved away from large urban counties, while another 500,000 moved into those cities, probably looking for work. L.A. County lost almost 300,000 people from April 2020 to July 2022, it's about 3% of its total population. Chicago's Cook County lost just over 160,000 people, also representing about 3% of its population. New York lost about 6% of its residents. Brooklyn, 5%. These are all democratically run areas, by the way. Karen Bass, the new mayor, announced this week that L.A. is now in an emergency crisis situation because of homelessness, rampant crime. Uh, Seattle lost one of its wholesale, I think San Francisco lost Whole Whole Foods. Walmart's pulling out of downtown Chicago because crime. People are going in and they're not uh, buying things, they're stealing things. And uh, these companies, these corporations are losing their shirts because of the crime that's gone rampant and again it's it's as the government you notice the government gets larger more powerful more encroaching offering more services and social safety nets but what's being produced is crime uncertainty it's it's um it's sad to watch because you know even in the beginnings of covid when i anticipated that there would be a certain amount of cultural decline. I never thought that children would start growing up. You know, if you've seen the videos, you see what's happening with our youth. They're reverting back to almost a, a gang-like stage. They're looking for meaning in their life. They're looking for somewhere to go and belong to someone. And they have no hope. They, they turn on the TV and they're constantly being told that the weather is in crisis Uh, They spend uh, all their parents' life savings going to college. They get out and they can't do anything because apparently social studies doesn't really get you much. And they're not writing code. Meanwhile, around the world, you hear in places like China and Japan and Korea, South Korea, and scores, scholastic uh, achievement is high. Uh, Maybe some of it is propaganda. We don't know. But the state of this country is, and 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 it's interesting because you have the, the the Democrats and the and the Republicans they they're convinced that the other side is the problem. Uh, no nobody wants to admit. Well, maybe we don't know what we're doing. I think it's interesting that Gavin Newsom has decided, even unofficially, that he wants to try to take the job of the presidency. He 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 he's the perfect uh, everyman. You know, he looks good. He looks like a slick politician. He says the right things. He smiles at the right moment. You can tell with that interview with Jen Psaki the other day that she, I, I, I asked myself, geez, I wonder if they're going to go get a hotel after this interview. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did get a hotel. But the he, he's got that charm, but that charm is what Obama had. Obama had a lot of charm. The difference between Obama and Newsom is I don't think Newsom has an agenda. I don't think that he purposely has an agenda other than to continue uh, to be used as a presidential or uh, gubernatorial figurehead. It's the people around him that concern me, the people that are woke, the people that institute policy that are equity-based as opposed to equality-based or achievement or merit-based. And having grown up in California, it's clear to me at least that California has been on the decline ever since uh, Gavin Newsom has been the president or the governor. There was a time when Pete Wilson and you know, California did have a spate of, of decent level headed governors, but they don't anymore. Now it's a big cesspool. The middle class has been shrunk. Meanwhile, the elite class, small yet mighty, and they subsidized most of the poor class, the the poverty class. And, uh, and what happens if that governor becomes our president? Well, obviously it's going to be more of the same, more of the same. Big, big government spending. I mean, he, he, California was $50 billion in debt before the pandemic. And then when he got all that money from the feds to fight the COVID pandemic, and then he turned around and put the state back in debt again. So that's where we're at with this guy. And and I, you know, are are Americans simple-minded enough to fall for this guy's, you know, that, that's the thing. It's like, what happens, what happens if he becomes the president? And that's what we have to think about. Uh, I'm JR, and this is Speaking Out America, and we will continue in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back to speaking out America. I'm Jr., Your host. Don't forget. Our website is speaking out And if you want to email the show, speaking America at gmail.com. And I want to get back to the Trump, uh, interview last night on Brett bear, because it was a great interview. And, uh, it was 20 minutes of pure heaven because finally there's an adult in the room. And I don't care if you hate Trump or what, whatever it is that you don't like about Trump. I, would imagine if you're listening to this program, you probably don't hate Trump. And you can appreciate that this man has been the subject of so many attacks. There's a controversy now, and then we'll play some more audio, where during the interview with Brad Bear, he had made some comments that were favorable to Gavin Newsom. And Gavin Newsom, who is the current governor of California, is traveling around the country on a I'm not running yet for president tour, yet look at me and how pretty I am. And in in days to come, we'll spend more time on the the devastation that Gavin has brought to California. But let's just say for now that Trump was getting a lot of criticism because he dared to compliment Gavin. And see, this is the this is the thing. This is the thing that sometimes people don't understand. The minute that Trump gives you a compliment and then you attack him, which Gavin Newsom will do, or anybody for that matter, then Trump has an open invitation to start attacking you. And that's exactly what I think his strategy is. Right now, it's, it's it's a very calculated way. You know, if you think about two men that are facing off with one another and trying to evaluate their weaknesses, kind of like that final round in Rocky One where Balboa and Apollo Creed are facing off and they're both looking at at, at where are the weakness is. How can I get into this guy? And so Trump throws up a white flag and says, I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to go for the low blow. I'm not going to go below the belt. I'm going to see how you stand up face to face. You start attacking me personally. That's when I'll come after you. That's what he's doing. And that is a, uh, that's a tactic from someone who has studied Sun Tzu. Always use the other, your enemy's strength against the enemy. Don't extend your own strength. Anyway, so here's Trump. This is him talking about de-escalation and what's happening now in the world and why we desperately need a leader that we don't have.
0: He's got to understand what has to happen and they have to de-escalate. So how would you do that now? Well, now, so you have a problem. You got this crazy world is blowing up and the United States has absolutely no say. And Macron, who's a friend of mine, is over with China kissing his ass. Okay, in China, I said, France is now going to China. Uh, You take a look at Saudi Arabia. Look at what happened. They're great people. They wanted to help us. He goes over, gets a fist pump. You know what a fist pump means? Don't shake my hand because your hand's dirty. That's what a fist pump is. They got it. They were so insulted. Do you understand that? Yes. Oh, I don't want to shake your hand. Let's go fist pump.
1: I remember that. That was such a ridiculous, stupid thing to do. And it was right in the midst. Everybody was doing that right here in the West. We were all so afraid of shaking people. We still do that with each other. You know, we don't shake people's hands openly because God forbid you might have a a COVID-19 speck of a molecule on your finger. Anyway, and so... Biden goes over and he's going over there to kowtow and try to get Saudi Arabia to up its oil productivity because we've shut our oil down and he fist bumps him, which is a huge insult to a world leader. It's basically saying you're dirty. So now you know why Saudi Arabia traipsed off and did a deal with with China on oil and Petro and working with the yen. Because he doesn't want to deal with the idiot that's in the White House right now. He knows that Biden doesn't like him. He also knows that he can't trust him. See, that's what the world now is learning about Biden. Biden is an opportunist. He's corrupted. He takes money on the side. He sells favors. He does exactly what we don't want our politicians to do. But that's what his profession is. He is a professional politician, as they all are. So back to Trump, again, this is about two minutes of him talking with Brett, or not Brett, it was uh, Tucker. And again, he's talking about while the world is busy with climate change and all of this other nonsense, the people he's talking to, what they're worried about? Nuclear war, nukes. Listen to this segment, it runs about a minute and a half, and we'll throw some commentary.
0: Um, The nuclear word you don't mention because the power is so destructive. I met with professors at MIT, and I was preparing for a debate, but I did want to talk about nuclear because I consider it to be the single greatest threat the world has, far greater than global warming. Like, not even a contest. And I had these people come down, they were very smart, very expert, and I said, so, when we start talking about nuclear in a debate, how would you handle it And they looked at me, one in particular, and said, Sir, you can't talk about it. You cannot talk about it. I said, what does that mean? He said, it is so massive, it is so destructive that you cannot talk about it. I understood exactly what he meant. And uh, we stayed away from it for the most part. But now Putin's mentioning it all the time. We don't mention, but Putin's always mentioning it. You've heard him say it. We are a nuclear power. He said, not so long ago, I said, that's the first time I've heard a major country. You know, you do hear it talked about, and I did a good job. I did a great job with North Korea. Kim Jong-un, you went with me on a trip. You insulted him, which didn't, Sorry. <laughs> didn't, make, my, didn't make my life too easy, but that's okay. But you were there, one of the few. And... It was an amazing, it had to be one of the most incredible experiences for you. For sure. But it was amazing. Uh, We had thousands of reporters. They weren't treated particularly nicely either, by the way, but I got along great with them. And because of that, it started rough, remember, with, you know, Rocket Man, Little Rocket Man. And he said, I have a button on my desk, a red button. I said, I have a red button on my desk, too. Mine's bigger and mine works. Yours doesn't.
1: Well, those were the good old days, weren't they? Oh, yeah, they were making fun of Trump, the Trumpster. But meanwhile, what he said is true. Now, after Trump's been out of office for two years, how many times have have Kim, uh, have, have the North Koreans fired off weapons ICBM missiles right off the coast of Japan? It's like they're doing it every week. What does our president say? Nothing. Our president is on Ireland. And, you know, de-escalation, nuclear war, these are the things that a president should be concerned with. And dealing with head on. And that's what I think Trump was focused. Biden is not focused. If he was focused, the commander in chief was focused. You wouldn't read headlines like Pentagon leak traced to video game chat group arguing about Ukraine war. April 12, 2023, Rick Moran, PJ Media. This is what's happening in our Pentagon today without Trump, but with Joe Biden as the leader. They're they're upset because top secret information Hundreds of documents made it out, exposing our planning with Ukraine. After a brief spat with another person on the server about Minecraft maps and the war in Ukraine, one of the Discord users replied, Here, have some leaked documents, attaching 10 documents about Ukraine, some of which bore the top secret markings, Bellingcat analyst Arik Toller. That later, uh, that user had found those documents on another Discord server but according to the Guardian, the bizarre providence of a leak may seem unusual, but it is far from the first time that a dispute between gamers had sparked an intelligence breach. Do you believe that the military secrets of the United States, of Ukraine, of discussions going on between heads of state and military planners like Millie, do you believe that gamers expose these documents? That sounds to me like a CIA disinformation plant. That somehow, if we can relate it to something coming out of a video game, then eh, it will, it's probably just a bunch of fodder. Nothing there, nothing here. Move along, move along. But th- then th- that's what you have. You've got, um, you know, you've got an administration that is—they're uh, fighting multiple wars. They're fighting the culture war by trying to transform the military into this ideological, pure, uh, non-sex. And, and by the way, when you go into the military, your sex doesn't matter. That's, that's what's interesting. It, it used to be when you go in and you, you sign up to serve, the minute that you get in, it, it doesn't matter your pedigree, where you came from, what color your skin is, what high school you went to, how many A's you got, if you graduated with honors. None of that matters. Every It is the great equalizer, and for good reason, because when you're in a troop situation... You have to support the other person in times of war. And and the only way you can do that is if everybody is equal. Military is the great equalizer. It had already achieved what I think D.I.E. is trying to achieve, which is this equity, everybody's the same, nobody's different, nobody's special. But the military, which, you know, our U.S. military has been in, in force since the 1700s, my friends. So you'd think they work out these little kinks, about the best way to get the most out of a soldier being trained for battle. But now they're preoccupied with pronouns and showers and surgery and transgenderism, and it has no place in our U.S. military, and it puts us at risk. These people go into the military for one reason and one reason only, which is to protect us from our enemies, foreign and domestic. And the, but the domestic enemies have already infiltrated the military. And that's why we have the situation that we have with this president. And that's why our military is slowly becoming the laughingstock to the world. And I believe it's why you have people like Saudi Arabia or countries like Saudi Arabia who simply want to move along. They don't think that America has its back. That's the problem. And these smaller countries... They need to partner with large countries that have great military might and will back them in times of indifference. They need to be stable, and and the United States is not viewed as being stable right now. That's why Biden is in Ireland instead of working with his military leaders about what's happening in Taiwan. That's it. See you tomorrow. Thanks for stopping by. This is Speaking Out America.